Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Beth Akers to talk about the economic side of college. As a parent, how can you discuss the costs and benefits of different aspects of your child's college education? Should you panic if your teenager is going to take out a bunch of student loans? Beth has the answers. Beth Akers is the author of the book Making College Pay. An Economist Explains How to Make a Smart Bet on Higher Education. Beth is a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, and she's an expert in labor economics and the economics of higher education. She's been a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a fellow at the Brookings Institution, and a staff economist with the Council of Economic Advisors. We're talking with Beth today about the economic side of college. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. We romanticize college. We think about college as this beautiful, important time in our child's life. And the cost shouldn't matter. We shouldn't cheapen this amazing, wonderful thing by focusing so much on what the cost is and how much it's going to make them when they get out. But maybe we should be thinking a little bit more about making college pay. Because it turns out the data is out there. There are some simple things you can do to make smart decisions when it comes to how much to pay and how to finance your child's college education. Dr. Akers, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. So this book that I read is Making College Pay. An economist explains how to make a smart bet on higher education. Talk to me about this. Why is this the important topic to turn into a book? Sure. So I've been writing on higher ed, mostly about policy for about a decade now. And one of the things that I've been noticing is that there's a lot of regret about paying and picking colleges. So, you know, student loan cancellation, for example, is a central political issue today. Um, and that seems to stem from dissatisfaction with what people in retrospect are, are paying for college. So I tend to believe that part of the reason we have that problem is because we're coaching people to make decisions about college in the wrong way. And I like to say that we're coaching them to be too romantic about it. You know, we talk about sending kids to college visits and having them wander around the campus and get a feel and, and see if it seems like a fit for you. It's almost like we're picking a life partner or something. Instead, with my book, I say, let's get out the calculator and look and see if the numbers, the in terms of what you're going to have to pay to go to the school, what you'll likely earn after you finish whether those things really jive with what your personal goals are and what your personal financial circumstances are. And so the book is a how-to guide on how to approach college decision-making in that way. Ooh, 
That sounds cold-hearted, isn't it? They're supposed to, <laughs> this, they fall in love and you find the perfect match and it just feels like this is the right campus for you and this is where you're going to be fulfilled and be your best self and be able to connect with your true authentic source of um, the universe. Isn't that the point of college? And once you find that, then price shouldn't matter and uh, you just go for it. Well, wouldn't it be nice if that was the world that we all lived in? I'm an economist. And so this is by far not the first time that I've been called cold hearted in my approach to something. <laughs> um, but, you know, the idea is like, yeah, wouldn't that be lovely if, you know, the world we were in is one where people could sort of wander through this utopia of higher education, taking their time and exploring and twisting and turning and all those sorts of those sorts of things. The financial reality for the vast majority of families and aspiring students in this country does not allow for that to be an affordable path. Right. And that's sad, but true. We can argue that the education system should be different, but yeah. unless it changes, people need to hear kind of this story that, you know, hey, that that's a nice dream. And if you've got the cash on hand to pay for it, great, go ahead and indulge in it. But yeah. before you go down that path, you better make sure that you've got the financial situation that makes that realistic for you. And I think a lot of the regret that we're seeing, especially around how much people are borrowing to pay to school, to go to school is that, you know, they imagined that, that beautiful ride that you're, mm. you and I are both describing and only realizing in retrospect that it's a really expensive and maybe out of reach path for them. Yeah. So, okay. If we're focusing on the economic reality, then what is that? What does that look like? Is a college degree even a good deal? Um, what do the numbers work out to and how do you even measure that or look at that? Yeah, so um, quite plainly, uh, all the research points to the same answer, which is that college is worth it. Quote unquote, college is mm -hmm. worth it. <laughs> now, what does that mean? That means that if we look at how much everybody in the country is spending on college compared to how much everybody in the country is getting from college in terms of employment opportunities, we all together are getting more than we're paying. That's great. But what it doesn't tell us, every individual, whether or not their investment is paying off. So we've heard economists and policymakers and thought leaders say over and over that college is worth it. What we haven't heard them say is that it's also risky. You know, just like investing in the stock market is worth it. We have an average return of seven or 8% per year, uh, but that doesn't mean every stock is delivering that return. So um, going to college is almost like gambling or um, we should think of it in terms of like we're placing a bet on the education that we're receiving. I think that's a reasonable and healthy way to think about it. Yeah. It's a decent bet. It's not like going and buying a lottery ticket or going to Vegas and playing in the casinos at the, the slot machines, right? So the odds are stacked in your favor, but in order to really ensure that you're making an investment in yourself that's going to pay off, it's absolutely necessary to make certain decisions that um, are informed by data, as well as your values regarding what it is that you hope to get out of school. Okay. And you say in the book here on page 10, that 
researchers found the return on an associate and bachelor's degree is 14%. So that's pretty good, pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. It's double what you'd expect in the stock market, for example, on an average year. Plus you learn stuff. Well, there's that too. Come on. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Then you did some research kind of in terms of looking at how informed people were about their own college finances and mm-hmm. even simple things like asking college students questions about how much they're paying, how much they're borrowing, um, things like that. And what did that research show and why is that interesting? Yeah. So what the research showed was that students are shockingly unaware of both how much they're paying for school and how much they're borrowing for school. So when I was kind of a a green uh, researcher, I had this plan to go do an experiment on a college campus where I was going to really like transform the way that people saw their finances, right? Like get students to have this really nuanced understanding of how much it was going to cost them to repay their loans. And I was humbled by um, a generous financial aid officer who said, you have no idea what you're talking about. These people don't even have the simplest understanding of their financial situation. And this person was absolutely right. (laughs) And he asked people just shortly after they've enrolled in college, how much they're paying or how much they've borrowed, or even if they're borrowing, a shocking number of them just don't know. And so, you know, in the book, I'm coaching people to be these very critical consumers and and to consider carefully the trade-offs that are in front of them. So what it is that you're getting from school, whether it be financial or something else, and compare it to the cost. But if these students don't even have a sense of what they're paying, there's no way they're doing this sort of analysis. And it seems, you know, impossible to me that that's not in some way related to the regret that we're seeing now. Mm. But isn't it just part of the whole romantic notion of college. Like I can't be bothered to be thinking about how much it costs. It's like, it's so much bigger and more important than that. And this is the most important years of life and whatever it costs, um, you need to go for it. Yeah. And in one sense, that's absolutely true. I mean, look, I stayed in education, the education system as long as I could, right? So I was like, went to undergrad, went to graduate school and, and um, stayed there basically for forever. So I love mm. school. I, I think it's a great place to be. And there's like tons of immeasurable social, social and private returns to yeah, education yeah, yeah, right. that are belong beyond the financial piece. So I don't want to send the message that those don't exist, but you know, what is the value of feeling like, you know, colleges often use the language of like a global citizen. You become a global mm. citizen after you've, you've gotten your education. And yeah. if you're a global citizen because of your enlightenment that you've gotten from education, but you can't, it's sort of inconsequential those other things that it brings. you talk about being undecided uh that was me when i showed up at college a lot of people find themselves in that boat isn't that good to keep your options open and just be undecided when you show up at college or what are the economics 
Yeah. So it is like a, a, a wonderful idea to think that you can go off to college and spend some time kind of exploring different paths and considering different options for yourself. And I think that's in fact what a lot of people do to a degree. It's what I did. I was sort of decided when I went to school, but not really. Um, but it's important to realize that that may be a very expensive way to go to college. Mm. And I say that because, you know, the alternative, which is think from the end point first and go backwards can get you across the finish line much more efficiently and effectively sometimes. So if I know where I'm trying to go, I can go to the data that we have on all the different colleges and all the different majors in this country and figure out which is the least expensive, most effective path to get me to that end. Now, on the other hand, if I don't know where I want to end up and I'm just, you know, using education as a means for figuring it out, that can work quite well too. But if it means that you end up taking a wrong turn here or there, which is bound to happen, maybe it takes you an extra semester or two to finish because you don't quite know where, where you're, you're going, that's a very, very costly um, way of exploring opportunities. And so some students just don't really have that luxury of spending the sort of money that is necessary to do that. And we're so hesitant to tell people to take time off because we think, you know, we've got to get everyone in through college because it's the best way to ensure that they go through it and, and don't stop out and just go and join the workforce. But for some people, that quote unquote gap year, whether it's working or doing something else, may be cheaper than kind of wandering around college and figuring it out what it is that you, you want to specialize in. So um, again, it's not that you can't go to college undecided or that you shouldn't, but it's that you need to appreciate whether or not that's really affordable for you. Um, you talked a little bit in there about picking a major, which I thought was a really interesting discussion in your book. And you break down all the different majors and sort of look at what they actually get you in terms of expected salaries after graduation. And some of these things I thought were really interesting. So how should people be thinking about this? I mean, isn't picking a major about finding what your passion is, you know, following your heart to because, uh, you know, trying to find the career that's going to truly fulfill you and all of that? Or, you know, how do you how do you weigh the economic ramifications with the, um, you know, sort of personal side of things? Yeah. So this is, you know, something that everyone at an individual level is going to need to balance for themselves. So economists are, you know, kind of often criticized for, you know, being this character who says, go dig into the data, find the highest return major, highest return school, and just go there and do that. <laughs> Nobody right. is saying that. Um, <laughs> I mean, we all appreciate right. that um, there are multiple factors that are driving people to want to go to college and the, you know, the things that they'll value from it. I like to say that the, those data are best used to figure out what is unaffordable and what is affordable to you. Not necessarily to say, okay, okay this is, you know, chemical engineers earn this, electrical engineers earn this, so I got to be an electrical engineer, right? It's kind of not the point. Electrical engineers, chemical engineers, right. they can both pay back their student loans. To me, that's the crux of it, right? And so I'm yeah, not, basically, right. if I see the level of earnings associated with that type of major, I think, okay, this is a comfortable path for me. 
On the other hand, if I look at a particular major from a particular institution, college or university, and I see that the earnings of that major on average are similar to what high school graduates are earning, or maybe even less, or just are not enough to allow me to afford to pay back the amount of debt that I need to take on, then that may not be an affordable path for you. On the other hand, maybe you've got a trust fund and that's just fine for you. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, right. um, and and go, go on and go forth and do that. But it's got to be an informed yeah. decision. And I, I, and I think the earnings information bit should be kind of that binary thing, which is, is this affordable for me or not affordable for me, rather than what an economist would call a maximization problem. I'm not trying to maximize my income. I'm just trying to make sure that the income that I'm likely to receive would be sufficient for the amount that I'm paying, the amount that I'm borrowing. You also kind of point out that it's more complicated than just looking at the average of what people make when they get each degree, because there's some that have sort of a lot more variation. And one of those you mentioned specifically in here is physics. Physics degrees are pretty variable. There's a big difference between what people make at the low end and at the high end with those. So how do you know if the degree that you're thinking about is one of those super variable ones? And then what does that mean? Does that mean you should avoid those kind of uh, areas or just you need to think about it differently or what? I think it means you need to think about it differently. Well, first you need to pick up my book and see <laughs> what those ranges are so that you have the information in front of you. But what I think is a unique contribution of this book and the approach that I'm suggesting is that it suggests that aspiring students should think about their own tolerance or ability to take on financial risk. So, you know, I'm a hugely risk averse person, kind of no fun to be around. I don't like to take any rest or do anything too exciting. <laughs> so, you know, if I had this data in front of me when I were 18, I probably would have shied away from a major that tended to lead to very uncertain outcomes. Um, and yeah, so right. that would be satisfying my individual tastes and the fact that financially, I didn't feel that I had the luxury of, you know, having my college degree not pay off in a financial sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the calculus that people need to make. One is what is their taste for uncertainty? What is their financial right. ability to take on the financial rest that comes from um, those different majors? And, and part of the reason I, I highlighted physics in there is that some of the things, you know, that you would think to be true about majors just aren't, you know, we kind of paint yeah. with broad brush strokes on this and say, okay, well, the arts, you know, are not that well paying humanities are not so good, right, but yeah, yeah. sciences, um, technology, those are all great. Right. Problem is like, there are some specific science related fields where people don't tend to go on to higher earnings occupations. And so, um, you actually have to look pretty carefully. Um, you know, you want to go beyond yeah. just that initial kind of gut response that, that this is a science or this is an art and that way I know um, if it's going to pay or if it's not. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it does sort of change the way that you think about these decisions going through this book and thinking of it really in terms of how much risk you're taking by doing these things. Because really, yeah, you're investing years of your life 
in studying whatever this is. You're investing also, you point out the opportunity cost of those years that you could have been working, you could have been making more money, you could have been investing those towards learning something else or doing something different. Uh, and it's a prime part of your life here, you know. So, and then on top of that, there's a financial cost. So it's a huge investment going to college. And um, just thinking of it in terms of how much risk you're taking on by doing that and uh, balancing that out in terms of whether or not it makes sense. Yeah, it seems like an important new way of thinking about it. I mean, we've convinced everyone that college is worth it, right? I mean, it's now become almost baked into the American dream, right? It's like the house, (laughs) the white picket fence and the bachelor's degree now, right? (laughs) So, but that's not enough. And that's, we can tell that's not enough because people are really angry at how the higher education and the federal funding of higher education system is working. And so my hope is that this added wrinkle of understanding the riskiness of this investment will help people to be less surprised when they get caught up um, with the outcomes that they do and aren't satisfied. We're here with Dr. Beth Akers talking about the economic side of college and how to talk with your teenager about the tough financial decisions involved in the college process. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. I take a pretty radically different approach to student debt than a lot of other financial expert type people. And I'm much less afraid of it than most people are. You know, we spend so much time and energy trying to make sure we get into the right college and probably a lot less on getting into the right major. (laughs) So it's actually a much more financially consequential decision. definitely easier said than done. This is being said by a mother of a three-year-old who has every dinosaur he's ever wanted because, you know, I'm a sucker, but you know, I know that day will come when I'll have to say, look, we're a family that can afford to send you to a state university without any student debt. And so, you know, those are your options. And it's not in our family's budget to send you to a high priced private institution, but you know, life will go on. <laughs> and, and I know it, that it's, again, easier said than done. It's not fun to say no to your children. No one ever wants to, but it, you know, it's also important for parents to put this boundary on them to protect themselves financially. Something I'm really concerned about is parents putting themselves into debt or into otherwise precarious financial situations to support these dreams that are really unaffordable for them. You know, I like to say that you're much more valuable to their, your children as a potential financial backstop five years after they graduate from college, than you are Mm. as, you know, someone who's struggling to make ends meet themselves. So give yourself that luxury of being financially stable so that if your child does run into trouble in five or 10 years and needs a little help with a medical bill or what have you, that you can be there for them. And I think that's actually much more important and much more valuable. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.